vocal about it's just calling out the bullshit when we see it like you know like ultimately this is a massive distraction away from the real issues like i just i i find it really and i you're absolutely right though like people like when when you see media organizations the political establishment constantly hammering home these culture war messages of course it's gonna start sinking into people and what we need to do as a party is be really vocal in our opposition of that Hi everyone, before we start, I want to take a minute to talk about my next book. You may have heard about the story of GameStop in January or February and thought it was all over. You're sadly mistaken. Unfolding Online has been a clash between the corrupt practices of Wall Street and the hive mind of the internet. It's a hot, raging information war pitting retail investors against financial giants swimming in corruption and fraud. The trailer is at the end of this podcast, but if you want to help crowdfund the book or just find out more, you can sign up to my mailing list to get access to a preview of chapter one or go to whenmoon.com to read more about the book. The first 200 people to pre-order the book will get a free pack of To The Moon crayons with their book. I just want to make a quick mention of our sponsors. Namecheap are one of the cheapest places on the internet to get a domain name for your next website. I've used Namecheap for all the sites I've ever purchased and I find it really easy to use. Spreaker are a rapidly growing platform for podcast recording, publishing, and monetization with pricing plans as low as $7 per month. A cheap way to host your podcast and start earning from your back catalog of shows. Finally, ExpressVPN is the internet's most trusted VPN. Protect your privacy and watch and view content that is location locked you could even try watching Netflix from a different country. And right now, they're offering 35% off 12 months of ExpressVPN. Please use the links in the description below if you want to support the show. Anyway, here's the podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Chatter. Today, I'm here with Alex. You are the founder and interim leader of the Breakthrough Party. Uh, welcome to the show. No, thank you very much for having me on, Josh. No problem. So yeah, uh, why don't you tell us what the breakthrough party is yeah so it all sort of started in summer 2020 um it was off the back of i think like six months um after the general election obviously like i think everyone was pretty devastated after the result in 2019 well a lot of people were and there was obviously you know corbyn left the you know corbyn was no longer the leader of the labor party keir starmer came in i, I was a labor party member at the time um and like many was sort of just as months rolled on, becoming a lot more disenfranchised and disillusioned with where the party was heading. And I think it all just came to a bit of a head in the summer um, and I decided to leave the Labour Party. And off the back of that, I did a bit of soul searching, kind of looking around for some sort of like alternative. And I just didn't find one. I didn't find one that sort of fit the bill for me, um, like a party that sort of stands up um, for young people, for marginalised communities and the most vulnerable people in society. Um, so I started, you know, I've never had any frontline political experience, but I thought, well, <laughs> why not give it a go? And, you know, it was just, it started off as some like a little crazy idea really. And it sort of just snowballed. Like it was first like talking to friends and it was friends of friends. And then, you know, before we knew it, we had like, you know, hundreds of members and supporters. Like we competed in our first by-election last month, um, earlier this month, sorry. 
Um, and, you know, we've seen it all go strength to strength. So it's, it's been a crazy journey so far. It's only been, we've only actually been going still only just under six months. Um, and, you know, I'm so excited to see where the sort of next few months, next few years take us really, because we know this is going to be a long-term project. So yeah, it sort of all came off the back of just a frustration with the current political landscape. Mm. I mean, you definitely, uh, you could look at the, the state of most of the, the the current crop of politicians in in Westminster and and you can in your head go yeah I don't know maybe I should leave it to the pros and then you look what the pros <laughs> are doing yeah. um, and you're just like what I'm, like what I, I it's often something that's just like look I could not do a worse job is basically the sentiment I think you're tapping into yeah exactly that's absolutely it like when you look at you know people that have literally all their lives been in politics and you look at their politics number one but then you also look at just how they do the job and you're just like how how have you got yourself into this position because so many of them not only just inept but just like totally in it for the wrong reasons as well like you know when I started this up, it was really with the desire to make things better for people. Like that's number one goal really for me is like, how can we improve this country? How can we improve people's lives? And I just don't get that from this current crop of politicians. Very wrong. Like in the past, I think there's been also their fair share of politicians. That you go, these guys aren't like doing it for other people, but it just seems to have, especially in like the last probably like five, six years, it's, that seems to have accelerated and now you do it's very rare when you see a politician now and you're like oh my god you speak for me it, there's there's a few of them out there they do exist but there's not many of them mm. i mean i was uh, yeah i was stunned that especially it just feels like more and more people are, are becoming kind of politically homeless and and honestly like one of the first things you mentioned there was like this, the party was formed off of your, your leaving the Labour Party and your decision to, to yeah, to, to look for an alternative. And honestly, I'm kind of baffled as to why that's not a more common experience at the minute. Like we've got um, the most corrupt, incompetent, like I, I can't, I can't imagine how they could be doing a worse job, basically, yeah. the, gov the current government. Like I, I honestly, I can't figure out how they could do it worse but <laughs> anyway <laughs> but every day you see <laughs> and you're just like yep okay yeah and yeah okay they're pulling like 40 plus percent and the opposition are just as inept and 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 completely like so out of touch um and and i feel they the both parties are, are failing to represent the bases of 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 their sort of you know like traditional voters uh like the conservatives have gone from being very fiscally Kind of like, yeah, we're going to look after the economy and you, you can call all their, their austerity stuff bullshit if you want. Um, but like, that's what they believed yes, in, yeah. right? And, and they've, <laughs> yeah, they've ignored yeah. that. And on the other side, like the Labour Party, it seems, are attempting to do everything they can to piss off all the new members that joined because of Jeremy Corbyn. And and yet, well, yeah, they, these these two parties dominate like 70 to 80% of the vote, like, what, why are more people not making the same decision that you have to look elsewhere? I think a lot of people can't, and I, I understand it as well. It's like, it's what you know. Like, we've always been brought up that it's Labour and Conservatives, red versus blue. Like, there's never really been an alternative narrative that's been talked about. And obviously, that feeds into our electoral system, like, first past the post. Like, I think people normally, when they go into the ballot, ballot box, they're looking, they're not looking and going, 
this is the person I want to vote for, they're looking at it and going, this is the least worst option out of however many are competing in that constituency or that ward or wherever else. And I think that's the fundamental issue with British politics at the moment is that we've, we've got a system that doesn't work and isn't fair. But then we've also got an electorate that are very apathetic and very frustrated with how things are going. And when you look at the political options that are out there, you know, especially in some seats, like some seats, you may you'll be lucky to even get like three parties that are putting themselves forward. It's just a lack of choice. It's a lack of choice. And I think that's what we kind of want to do as a party is sort of offer an like a real alternative, like a radical alternative to the status quo. So why don't we go back to the party then? So where did the name even come from? Yeah, so I, I guess the idea of breakthrough was the idea of breaking through the two-party system. That's what how I initially envisaged it when 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 we're thinking of names for it. Um, you know, like I think that that is ultimately what we want to do. Like, but we don't want to be the Lib Dems. That like, I just want to clarify that when we talk about breaking through, because you hear, you, especially when we talk like look back to twenty ten, that's what they're sort of saying. Oh, we're going to break the two-party system. But they're pretty much just like in the middle of late. Well, they were in the middle of Labour and the Tories, but you could argue now they're probably even further left than Labour at the moment. But, you know, when we talk about breaking through the two, we talk about breaking through the two party system, breaking through this political system that simply isn't representative of wider society. Um, and that's what we kind of want to do. We want to make a breakthrough in this political system and offer people something more radical. Um, when I use the word radical as well, I think that can put people off. But when I say radical, I mean like just offering quite common sense stuff like you know like the sort of like you know like a higher living wage like affordable housing um like more um you know like when we talk about climate change like how can we actually like bring in bring in um, policies that can actually curb it like these aren't these are actually quite common sense policies but they're deemed as radical in our country because of how far the overton window has shifted to the right um but like to the electorate and to this country at the moment, these are radical things. And we want to offer that and say, like, look, there is an alternative out there. We can, you know, we can make like meaningful change to your life. And that's what we're kind of trying to do as a party. Hmm. It's interesting that you, miss, uh, you mentioned the Overton window. Like this, something I find like, really fascinating is that I'm not even 100% sure that this is like a a left right ideology thing i think it's a like status quo versus change sort of dynamic that, that we're coming up against here um which like also like the breakthrough metaphor fits beautifully there as well um but i definitely think you're you're speaking to something interesting there in that it's like that you're addressing issues that that people like recognize across the board as being something that we like quote unquote, have to deal with, right? Um, be that climate change, um, be that uh, the, 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 yeah, the, the housing markets or the housing crisis, the, the lack of affordable housing for younger people to, to get on the property ladder, uh, living wages, um, lack of um, say, like careers, there's jobs, but not careers. There's, there's loads of things that are like kind of underlying there that are bad for society overall. And a lot of people like talk about them being a problem but yet the system that we have has no desire to fix any of them because it's either against the interests of the the the, the yeah the rich and powerful or their donors or it's um just sort of inconvenient and 
they'd lack the imagination. It's 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 yeah, totally it, broken. It is, uh, that, that's you're absolutely spot on, though, Josh. Like when you talk about us, you know, as a country, we're the sixth richest country in the world, and we've got you know two and a half million people using food banks. Uh, that is not the sign of a successful country or a rich country. Like you know, however they want to spin it. At the end of the day, like this country is failing, and you know we've seen it. I think the pandemic has highlighted the inequality in our country. And it's kind of, I think a lot of people's eyes have been opened during this pandemic. Um, and I'm hoping they stay open because like we, we can, there is so much we can do to make this country a better place. I think, as you say, um, people in power are making the political choice not to deal with it rather than it's being a financial choice. Like we have the money. We've seen during this pandemic, we have the money. The amount that we spent on the track and trace system doesn't work. The amount we spent on the furlough scheme, the amount that was been given to Tory mates, donors, people they're sleeping with you know like this is like the end of the day this is like this, this is clear for people to see so like it exists it's just a political choice that they're making not to actually give this money to the causes and the issues that we're actually facing so yeah like a, there's definitely like a crisis of, of of representation for people and but then we've seen over the past couple of years, past five, ten years, however far you want to take it back, um, a number of different parties kind of spring up and in an attempt to be the alternative to, like, like as you quite rightly point out, to like they they were like we're going to break the two party system, um, and you had like UKIP who, who did like some disrupt, they did like they disrupted quite a few things, but they only ever have like one MP. Uh, we had like Change UK. Um, there's been like Turning Point UK were a kind of a thing, I think, for a while. There was Reform, uh, Reclaim, um, the Brexit Party. Like, the, just, there's loads and loads of Liberal Democrats as well that have attempted to change this. Like, what do you think you guys can do that's different to where they have all yeah, been? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a challenge, don't get me wrong. Like, I think the only one on that, that list I might slightly disagree with is UKIP, because like, even though UKIP like electorally weren't successful. As you said, rightly said, they had one MP, few councillors, I think, here and there, and they had like a massive, after 2015, they just fell off the face of the earth once and the Farage left. But like when you look at UKIP and the seismic shift they had on British politics, like, you know, they, you know they're, they're one, the biggest aim they had was leaving the EU. That They managed to push that. And when you look at the Tory policy now in 2021, a lot of UKIP policy <laughs> has become Tory policy. Like, the Tories have moved further to the right to accommodate this. Um, you know, and I think that, that they've been a pressure on the right, um, UKIP. And when we look at the left, I think that's what's required now. You need, you need parties on the left that are going to push Labour and push other parties as well further to the left and have these conversations about the housing crisis, about dealing with poverty, about climate change. Like these are really important issues that are simply, as you said, are not being talked about anywhere near enough. You know, we're instead like embroiling ourselves in days and days of coverage of who Matt Hancock has had an affair with rather than actually looking at like, like looking at the, the fundamental issues. Like, you know, the person who's like having to use a food bank tonight who can't afford to eat probably doesn't really care about Matt Hancock and what he's doing. And, and you know, don't get me wrong. Like everything that he's done is very wrong. And like that needs to be dealt with. But when I'm, what I'm trying to say really is that ultimately there are bigger issues at play here and we need to deal with them. And they're just simply not being talked about by, by the establishment, like political establishment. And, you know, we need to be there as a political voice for the voiceless, really. 
there's so many people in our society, millions of people that don't have a voice at the moment and they're not getting, and the issues that they face on a daily basis aren't being talked about. And ultimately we're, we're saying ourselves as a party that we're going to talk about these issues. We're not going to talk about them. We're going to present viable solutions to them as well. And that, that's what we want to do as a party. So where, what do you guys see as like the, like biggest issues that are currently like facing UK politics? Yeah, like what are your priorities? Like, yeah, of course. So like, I think post pandemic, well, I say post pandemic, we're still very much in the pandemic, but like whenever we actually are out of the pandemic, we need to look at the, the massive inequality in our country. Like we need to, like, we need to redress the balance, you know, like, the sort of things I was talking about earlier, like a real living wage, like an actual, when I say real living wage, I mean 15 pounds an hour, like enough to actually thrive on rather than survive. I'm talking about universal basic income. So if anyone loses their job or finds themselves in a real struggle, they have a safety net and like they're able to like, you know, like if they do lose a job, they're able to have that safety net in place so they don't slip through the cracks. Um, it's talking about building more affordable housing, not only affordable housing, but also social housing as well. You know, we've got 1.1 million people waiting on the social housing list here. It's crazy. Um, you know, it's about how can we end the need for food bank use? Like, what, how can we stop that from happening? And ultimately, I think, as I say, it's improving people's, um, improving people's lives in, in the ways that we talk about. When we talk about work, we talk about housing. But also, like, other issues as well is obviously the right to protest. Like, we've got to kill the, you know, we've got the policing bill going through next monday i think again through parliament like the right to protest this stuff yeah it's due, july the 5th i believe is um the date that it's going back through parliament um and again like that's another thing like you know when tories or like the government actually do something terrible we can't even they're trying to stifle our right to actually go out and protest against that you know like these are really dangerous times and let's not even like we haven't even touched on climate you know we haven't really touched on climate change but that's an even more imminent danger there's like so many different things that we need to address right now. And like, it isn't a matter of waiting for Labour to sort themselves out and be a credible opposition. It's not about, you know, hoping that in the next two, three, five years, someone will come in and do it for us. We need to be the change. Like, it, it isn't going to change itself at the end of the day. And if we don't do something now, in five, ten years time, it could be too far down the road to do anything about it. And, you know, we, and I don't want to see that for my kids. I don't want to see that for my grandkids. I want to, you know, I want to see a country that, you know, really does care about everyone. And I'm just not seeing that. And I haven't seen that for a long time. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 a concerning reek of author authoritarianism that kind of emanates from the, the current Conservative Party. And uh, it's yeah, it's very the, the policing bill especially is really concerning. Um, the thing that really, really irritated me was um, when when um, the all the people who were out protesting the policing bill or the the Sarah Everard killing were then getting mad at the people who were who were out protesting the lockdowns, and I was like, "You idiots! Like you're all on the same yeah. side. It's, you don't it's like really the government, isn't it? Because I think anti lock like people who are anti lockdown are sort of normally generalised and stereotyped that they're going to be on the right because of like the sort of links to it." But I think, as I said, like everyone should have the right to protest, regardless of your, regardless of your political leaning. Like political, like protest should be a thing, right? Like no one should be arguing against that. And we ultimately we've got an authoritarian government that are trying to stop that. Um, you know, like I, I think the thing is, as you say, we can't, we can't um, 
say, oh, that protest is okay, but this one isn't. You know what I mean? Like we can't have that double standard at the end of the day. Like everyone has a right to protest, you know, and like we need to keep that right, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I really hope that, that we get a similar wave of protest when this goes back into Parliament. Um, fingers crossed uh, for one in Belfast as well. We didn't get one last time. We were all sat around. <laughs> yeah, in, like, 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 at the time, definitely yeah. as many problems there as. <laughs> You know, like, you know, policing bill obviously is an issue, but like at the time, especially as you say, like there was so much going on then and probably still is. I'm, you know, you don't hear much about it at the moment, but. Oh, it calmed down a bit. It's fine at the minute. I mean, like, it, it, it's just a little flare up and violence. I was laughing with someone that, that the best thing for Northern Ireland that Prince Philip ever did was die because all the, all the, the, the unionist um, people who were going to go out and protest or riot or whatever, however you want to classify it um took took a week off because of prince philip's death well, yeah like, seen let's, let's hope it stays so. that way. let's hope it stays that way yeah yeah if i can hope so so why should actually something you said earlier interested me um you said that you considered yourselves to be coming from the left of the labor party like, do you consider that, that to be where you're coming from on, on all issues or, um, and is that like just the left of the Labour Party in its current ilk that you mean, rather than like the left? Yeah, of, it's say, interesting because I know spectrum. I spoke about the Overton window earlier. I think like we basically fill in the vacuum that's been left by Labour um, since, since 2019. I think that's kind of how we see our, our job really is like, is say like having, like making sure these conversations continue. Uh, there's still obviously a lot of people that are mourning, um, almost mourning still after the general election, talking about Jeremy Corbyn. And of course, like, you know, he ultimately he was the reason I got interested in politics. Um, and like, obviously, I think that's the case for millions of people, if I'm perfectly honest with you. But we now need to look beyond Labour and like look beyond what happened in 2019 and like how can we take this forward um, and learn the lessons as well, learn the lessons of that three, four year period where people on the left actually had some an opportunity to actually do something um do something in this country so like i i would say yeah i'd say currently we're definitely to the left of labor on pretty much anything really like the, the thing is it's really hard to say you're on the left of labor because what policies have they got at the moment so it's really hard to say like from from the um rhetoric that they're spinning every day i would say yeah 100 percent we're on the left everything but it's very hard to say where they actually you know what they actually stand for so but like from what i've seen you know the comments they make because they have no policies the comments they make i would say 100 percent we're on the left um on everything from that. yeah i mean like what is your sense of the the potential like vote share that you guys could tap into like have you looked at, at polling and, and stuff that kind of represent the policies that you're putting forward because i don't know for example like bernie sanders in america for example like people always say that he's a fringe character but then when he goes through all the things that he is advocating for and then the number of people in america for example that will follow that it'll be like 50 60 70 percent agree with his policy you make so a really like, good point about like, that, that, that i was actually going to touch on that later so like, i'm glad that you brought it up to be honest it's about like progressive policies in this country are popular like when you talk about like public you know bringing stuff back into public ownership when we talk about a green new deal um when we talk about taxing the super rich these are all popular policies and they're progressive policies 
So there are there is a clear desire out there for people for a progressive party to come into the fold. I think the issue is has obviously been, especially over the last three four years, has been the the spin, the, the you know like the attacks from the media establishment on left wing, like on like left wing people, like left wing obviously Labour when it was <laughs> when it was left, um, and I think we've seen this real demonization of what socialism is as well. And that that's the fundamental issue here is like, obviously, these policies are popular with people. But again, like, you know, the powers that be have worked really hard to convince people that it's not the right way, and like working really hard to shift that. So I think for us, like, as I said before, like, I think, um, when we talk about who do we think will be voting for us, what will that vote share be? You know, we want to be the party for young people, you know, who have been misrepresented by politicians, you know, pretty much like bar that blip in 2015, 2019. Young people have very rarely been represented in politics. It's about, you know, people from, you know, marginalised communities that have been, again, completely abandoned by the Labour Party, but have always been abandoned by the Tories and most vulnerable people in our society, people that are having to um, use food banks, people that are really struggling, like who, you know, who are unable to work. Like, the, like you, when you actually take all those three groups into account, that's a massive amount of people in this country. And there will, of course, be people outside of those three groups I mentioned who, I think, would, again, we've seen from polls and we've seen from, you know, when we look at progressive policies, they are popular with everyone, like with everyone, really. So I don't think there's, I think there's a real potential for a party like ours to be successful in this country. So here, here's like... So I'm just gonna I'm gonna give you yeah. like the summation of what I see to be the biggest opposition for a party like yourselves. Um, yeah, of course. And and you can like tell me what you maybe plan to do about that or if you thought of it. And maybe I'm wrong, but I, I get the sense that what seems to constantly happen whenever a party or a movement emerges, especially in in Britain and in America, when it's advocating for policies that are for the benefit of to steal labor's phrase the many not the few it's yeah no it brings uh, yeah, true, yeah. cliches at this point but i think it, it's quite it's quite it's it, yeah it does it rings true um and like for example what i've seen a what what some people have pointed to especially in america was uh, in 2008 9 10 11 when the occupy movement was just starting that there was it was initially very focused on a lot of the things that that, that I'd say the breakthrough party would support. It's about taxing the wealthy, about regulating like the excess of, of global finance, of about, you know, looking after the little guy for once instead of these massive corporations who have, yeah, consistently just sucked money out of the economy to the detriment of all of us. And what happened, and there's this amazing graph, is like around 2010, 2011, there's just like a spike in in articles mentioning like identity politics and race and it always devolves into this and i personally don't think it's a coincidence i think there's definitely people stoking these fires and and what tends to happen is uh, like jeremy corbyn's policies are widely popular and a lot of people will just like not vote for him because they they've been allowed to be sucked into this culture war narrative um and it, it Ascent, like how have you foreseen this do you consider this to be something that's going to come at you and like what have you thought about what you guys might 
do about it to try and separate yourselves from from like the the really messy, sticky, little, tiny social issues yeah, that, that tend to really blow up so because huge. Because obviously the culture wars, like when we talk about like you know one of the new parties you mentioned earlier, reclaim Lawrence Fox. That is literally what they're here for to stoke the culture wars, and like that that is the only reason for their existence from what I've seen of them. And like, you know, the Tories are exercising it massively. Like you say, like, you know, when we see some of the stuff they're coming out with and I think what we need to do as a party and like what we've, we've been already quite vocal about is just calling out the bullshit when we see it. Like, you know, like ultimately this is a massive distraction away from the real issues. Like I just, I, I find it really, and I, you're absolutely right though. Like people, like when, when you see media organizations, the political establishment, constantly hammering home these culture war messages of course it's going to start sinking into people and what we need to do as a party is be really vocal in our opposition of that and say like hang on like yeah you're trying to distract people by talking about like blm or talking about like you know taking the knee or anything to do like you know obviously massive at the moment it's talking about trans issues and stuff like that and trans rights um it's like well go hang on like you know like these guys are just doing this to distract you like hang on like actually let's look at the real issues that are affecting you day to day at the moment and like we're actually going to say to you like these are the issues and these guys have actually messed up massively and like you should be angry at them like these are the people you should be directing your anger at and again like we need to offer an alternative and i said like, I, for me we just need to call it out as it is and say like look come on like they're doing this for a reason they're trying to hide something Normally, like you see it as well, you're absolutely right in what you said about the fact that the timing is always very good. And it's always when they try and hide something. When something's due to come out and they put something out there, they, you know, they send one of their backbench MPs onto the LBC to talk about having a picture of the Queen on every, in every house in the country or something. And then everyone's talking about that. And then they've snuck through a piece of legislation that is totally abhorrent. Like, this is just what they do. and. We just need to call them out on that and make sure we don't play their games. Yeah, mm. yeah. and then the problem is that the, the media class is so like intertwined with, with, with government and 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 yeah, the, the yeah, just the, that entire ruling establishment class is they're also intertwined that it's they're happy to let it play into that like culture war narrative as well, because also it gets them rage clicks. So they're benefiting off the click bay. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah, we're just sitting here all all suffering while, yeah, while they just. Well, I was about to say you see that with Times Radio, you see that with Times Radio, like Times Radio, LBC, and now GB News. Like we've said as a party, just totally ignore them. Like we've blocked them, we've ignored them, and we're not going to give them any oxygen because like that's the only way that they'll as you said like they they make money from advertising they make money from clicks and engagement if you don't engage with them they won't exist like they can't like can't continue existing we've already seen in these first two three weeks of them existing that they've gone down from like 150,000 viewers to like like 10 20 30,000 views was it Andrew, yeah. And, yeah, Andrew Neil got like thirty-one thousand viewers, and like yeah, he used to like, get in well over that's a what million. I mean. like, that's what we need to do. Just I ignore just them. Up. <laughs> They'll funnel loads of money into it, and it'll just go out into it. Same with like the Sun. Like you know, like they they you know they recorded massive losses this year. It's because people know, like people know what they're about, and they ignore them. And we just need to keep ignoring these these um, organizations that are purely there to peddle hate. Like we just need to just totally. To get rid of them and like that's the only way is by ignoring them for me 
Yeah, I mean, you, you, you make a very good point. Not many people pick up on that about LBC, actually, that they lit it. they're just outrage merchants. That's that's all they're selling. And we have we have uh, we have one of our own in Northern Ireland, this guy called Stephen Nolan, whose entire job is to just have people on his radio show to shout. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's what it's all about. Like, you know, when you think of all the encounters like that James O'Brien might have with callers when it was about Brexit or... When you have like you know Keir Starmer when someone was talking about I can't remember what they said but like they're basically being racist and he couldn't really like deal with it he couldn't really call it out and it was really awkward and like they they manufacture these moments again as you say for 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 money and like it's just like it's just disgraceful really like and like again like as you say like no one like we need to not fall for it anymore we need to just ignore it because the more option we give it the more they're going to do it and it's distracting us from the real issues that we face. So obviously these these people, as much as they are awful, um, have a big reach. Uh, the mainstream press, the um, yeah, these radio stations like yeah LBC and whatnot, and they they have a big reach, and they they're unfortunately like a huge part of the media environment. Like I'm not sure exactly what the figures are right now. Um, I would have to look this up, and I probably should. But at least a few years ago, while I was looking at things, I found that whilst mainstream media has all but died in its in the amount of people that trust it consume it especially comparative to 20 or 30 years ago um i mean i was just on with uh this uh with uh rock felder from from this uh company squadcast fm and we were talking about how about this comment that jordan peterson had made that um the death of the mainstream and the death of traditional media has been so rapid that we didn't even notice that 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 for like our generation especially it's so dead to us that we don't like it doesn't even register that it's died like we didn't read the obituary like we haven't noticed that it's not there basically so what's what is your Basically, how are you planning to promote the Breakthrough Party in a way to get the message out without using those traditional avenues? Don't be wrong, like, it's going to be challenging. Like, of course it is. Because like, even though, as you say, like, these, like, a lot of them have died a death, like, they're still, for a lot of people, like, especially like, you know, for, for older people, like, these are still the way a lot of people consume news. Like, when we talk about broadcast or broadcast television or, um, you know, through um, newspapers and whatnot, but like online perhaps. But like when we talk about like who we're going to reach as a party, like when we talk about young people, like it has to be social media. Like that's got to play a massive part in what we're doing. Like, you know, we're, we're very active on our social media operation, as it were, like through Twitter, especially. But like we're looking to get more on YouTube and TikTok as well. And like these are very political spaces that I don't think have been anywhere near enough um, used by mainstream political parties. Um, and that for us is like massive. Like we've seen in like these first six months of operating, like we've gone from not being known at all to being like when people are talking about left wing politics in this country, like they're mentioning us and they're kind of going like these guys could be the solution or part of the solution at the very least. To go from that, from zero to that in six months shows the power of social media. Of course, it's not everything. Like I work in social media, so I understand its limitations as well. But like I think social media for us is going to be massive um but also like as well like i think there's a lot of 
good outlets out there that are like more independent that we obviously want to work with and very keen to work with um, as well. And I think it's about how can we, when we're, I hate you obviously always going to talk about left and right, but like how can we promote independent organization, independent media organizations on the left and make more of a noise there? Um, that for me is going to be really important. And I think we have to utilize that as well and work together. Like, you know, when we talk about the left as a whole thing, it's like not just political parties, it's movements, it's pressure, pressure groups, it's organization, like media organizations, how can we all work together to, you know, offer a real alternative in this country? And like, I think us just sort of siloing ourselves as this one party or this movement doing whatever they're doing, like we need to come together and how, how can we, um, how can we um, come together and bring like a real alternative to the table? When you say social media is being underutilized by big political parties, what do you mean? Because like my my entire first book was literally written about how social media is being exploited by people. Um, so uh, that's that like that statement seems yeah, like like because when you talk about Facebook, but I get the feeling like, you don't quite know what I was how writing. How powerful about, Facebook yeah, was, like in terms of like advertising, like Facebook, like political advertising, that was massive. I think what I meant was more about YouTube and TikTok. I don't think they've been anywhere near utilised enough by political parties. Um, it's why we're sort of looking like we're, we're being, before we jump into it, we're being really careful and like actually really figuring out what we will do as a party that will appeal to people. And like when we talk about how young people consume news, YouTube is one of the, one of the highest, if not the highest thing that they use to like find their news or social media. So we need to make sure that we've got a really good presence across all social media platforms um and yeah so what i meant really was more tiktok and youtube i think you're absolutely right about facebook like facebook we've seen the power of facebook in the last in the ref you know in the brexit in the referendum campaign and in 17 19 as well it's more about like organic content that we can sort of put out across all you know all social media platforms and also utilize as I said those younger platforms as well Uh, not are really. I've not seen anything that's made me super concerned. As, um, um, I, <laughs> I mean, it's one of the most. It's like one of the most uh, intrusive. Yeah, that does, um, that doesn't platforms in terms of scraping. Um, every yeah, time of course. Like, there's always going to be these concerns, um, um, and like obviously, so like as a party, we haven't developed policy on like the data side of things. It's something we obviously want to look into, but. But for now, and like when we talk about like how we can increase the reach of our party and get our message out there, I think TikTok is a very good platform for that. Um, again, like we've got people, like younger people in the party than me. Like I'm 30, and I already feel well out of the loop when it comes to stuff like TikTok. Um, but like we've got much younger people in the party who are much more, um, much more, um, much more active users of TikTok and understand it a lot more. And like we're sort of developing a strategy at the moment of how we can actually use TikTok as a party. Like there's a few MPs that use it. I know Zara Sultana is the big, big example. She's very good on Instagram and and on TikTok. Um, and we need to figure out how, you know, as a party, we need to figure out how we can utilize it as well. What would you make of criticisms that people that that these platforms like Snapchat or TikTok or or Instagram like? They're not really for politics. Yeah, well, TikTok's actually very political. Like, it's not really talked about a lot, but TikTok is very political. When we talk about, 
the 2019 general election, we saw a lot more up, like a lot more people talking about politics during that period. And I think, you know, I think young people are, you know, they, they're, they're very wary of talking about, um, wary of like joining political parties, but they're very happy talking about politics. They're very comfortable talking about politics. They're very knowledgeable. And the thing is, as well, young people, it's very transactional politics, not like how it used to be where someone like, you know, they were told to vote Labour since they were a kid or like a teenager, since they were able to vote. And they voted for Labour for the next 50 years of their life, regardless of who was the leader, what policies they had. Now it's more like, I think young people are more like, well, actually, like, what are you going to do for me? Like, what are you as a party going to do for me? So what we need to do, I think, as well, is just make sure that what we're offering is something that they want, ultimately. And being able to, you know, and actually deliver on those promises as well. Like we've seen, like, you know, I, I voted Lib Dem in 2010. I made the mistake of a lot of 18 and 19 year olds and voted for them. And then the tuition fees trebled. Like, I don't want us to be a party that, like, stands up for young people. And then when we get into power, not able to deliver for young people. So, like, yeah, I think it's all about, like, with, with TikTok, I do think it is political. Like, and I've seen a lot of it. And it's definitely got more and more political as time's gone on. I think, you know, it's, it's evolved massively with the platform. That's interesting. I hadn't ever heard anyone talk about TikTok being political, but I will have to check that out because, you know, maybe I'm missing a trick here. <laughs> definitely do. Like, it is definitely, like, honestly, like, there's there's a few people in our party who use TikTok quite a lot, and, like, it has become a hell of a lot more political. And I think, especially we've seen it on in America as well during the 2020 election campaign as well. It was used a lot for that as well. So definitely, it's been a very recent phenomenon. Don't get me wrong. This isn't something that's been going on for years and, like, for few years now it's been literally like the last 12 to 18 months especially we'll definitely check it out hmm. Hmm, that's definitely worth having a look at so um one of the things that i've been talking to like quite a lot of people about i spoke to um mark thomas the economist um who this that interview will be out the week before this i think so um and he was talking to me about um how we kind of like renew trust and faith and sy systems and institutions of of the country um and how we sort of try and address quite a lot of the the, the economic issues that you've been talking about it's definitely worth checking out actually he's a really really interesting guy um he wrote a book called uh the 99 or he's the book's called 99 percent um because his, his general thesis is since the 1980s that the, the economy has not been geared to serving everyone it's been geared to serving the one percent and if the 99 percent don't sort that out then we're a bit screwed basically is his summary yeah his summation and you know i've spoken to people about like uh the constitutional issue in the uk and whether we need like a, a written one or some sort of like constitutional convention like do you guys think that there's room for i don't know i don't even know what form it takes but for us to have like a big review of britain i, don't know. I think we need it <laughs> regardless of that's for you know as you say whether that's actually writing a constitution or if like that's addressing you know or if that's just constitutional reform when you look at how this country's run and like how you know we've seen the absolute mess of the last 18 months especially but like we can go further back than that. You can probably go back five years almost. Like, I think there definitely is need for reform in this country, like across a lot of different things. I think you probably will, like when we talk about like the voting system, we talk about first past the post. I think we definitely need proportional representation, like making sure that your vote actually matters. Um, because at the moment it doesn't in a lot of cases, I think in about 
things about 70% of cases, maybe 70 to 80% of cases, your vote will literally have no, um, like it'll have no um, effect on the outcome of an election. Now that's just ridiculous. Like when we look at that, like, and we wonder why people aren't wanting to vote. Like it's kind of, you know, it's kind of meaningless a lot of the time. And like, we need to change that massively. Um, and like when we even talk about like House of Lords, like again, like we haven't developed official party policy on it, but like members over like members pretty overwhelmingly think that it should be abolished. It's again just like a system that very much like works. You know, it's like it gives the one percent power again. Like we can't we can't allow that. So I think yeah, like there's so many different things I think in this country that need total a total revamp. Like just to stop this from happening again, because I think we are like, it sounds dramatic, but like, I think we are hurtling towards a, a real fascist authoritarian dictatorship. Like you're even seeing like the boundary changes. Like it seems like a really simple thing, but like in 2023, then they're changing the boundaries. So they have that dead gerrymandering basically and making sure that they have more opportunity to win even more seats and gain even more power. And like removing like the the term for elections as well, like the the minimum term for elections and stuff like that. Like they're genuinely like they're not thinking about the next year, two, three, three years in power. They're thinking how can we be in power for the next ten, twenty, thirty years? And that's terrifying because if they were in power for that much longer, as as you know, you said in that book, the ninety nine percent book, like ultimately, like if we don't get our act together as the ninety nine percent, we are we are fucked basically. We are completely. And like that sounds really. Like I'm catastrophizing this situation, but genuinely, like it is so urgent. Like we need to deal with this, and I think, yeah, whatever we can do to change that, whether that is constitutional reform, I think it has to go be much further than that. But like we need to look at every avenue to make the changes we need to to address this. Yeah, I mean, I kind of believe that the, the systemic reform has to come first because I don't think we get. Um, I don't think we get the change that's required um, in the system as it currently exists. And that doesn't mean that we have to like go the full, like tear the whole system down. But it means that, yeah, because like that's also fucking dangerous because we've, we, we're like this close to, to, a, to a really, really brilliant system. Like we currently live in one of the most prosperous, most diverse, most Okay, maybe not quite at this moment in a second, but most free societies that has literally ever existed, right? And the system that built that is really solid, but it's been corrupted by wealth and power and and the the, the inability for it's, it to become to be self regulated because, yeah, the, the money and wealth and power tends to accumulate at the top more and more and more and more unless you do something about it. And through like the what's the golden era of capitalism, at least, is called that. Like we did that, we, you know, things got better for everyone. And, and unless we, we change, I think, the, the, the system itself and, and stop the wrong people being in power. And I don't mean the wrong people as in the people with the wrong ideas. I literally mean the people that do not give a fuck about you or your family. They care about their donors and they care about like their mates who are making millions off of outsourcing. Like that is what they care about. And uh, yeah, it's you're very right, I think, as well about the, the the slide towards authoritarianism. It's terrifying, man. Like yeah, like but you're absolutely right. Like the thing is, for me, I think it's been the last forty years, right? I think that's where where things have really just completely since Thatcher, basically, 
you know, like this neoliberal orthodoxy that's come in, stripping assets away from the country and putting us in this position where like people, as you say, like people weren't like in, in good jobs anymore. People weren't able to afford a house anymore. Lots of people were in poverty. Like that, this, 40, this four decades of neoliberalism has basically ruined our country. And now, as you say, we do need a total system shift. We need to, and I don't, and I don't, you know, I don't think capitalism is the way, I think we need to look at how do we look at our economy? Like, you know, we can't literally, the planet can't continue the way that we're, like how we're looking at things. Like when we think about GDP and like growth, constant growth, we, we were able to do that, obviously, rightly or wrongly, like decades ago, 100 years ago. But we can't think like that now. Like the resort, you know, we only have finite resources. Like we only have like so many resources in, in the world and we need to like transition towards a no growth economy. And that will rock the boat massively, like with people who are, you know, the super wealthy and the most powerful in society. So we do need a total system change and it's going to take a lot to do it. Like it isn't going to, as I said, it goes beyond constitutional reform. Like it generally, like it needs such a seismic shift. It needs millions of people realizing what's around the corner and standing up and being counted and trying to do everything in our power to resist, to resist that. Yeah, like one thing I do want to say there actually um, is I slightly disagree in that it's like I think that the, the capitalism as a system is not the thing that's 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 ruined us. It's uh, our failure to check it because it, it creates like this great way for people to like say you have a great idea and you want to like sell some nice bread and you can you can set up your stall, you can make your profit and make your life better and that's like something that I think has been very good for humanity is that ability and the freedom to do that and with the where we've fallen into um the problems and is that like we've created a system that goes for maximum profit with zero zero forward thinking and i think it's very possible that we could create a system with this big review of britain that we're talking about um, that that like encourages all the best parts of that, but tries to like put fail safes in place that says, hey, you know, we want to try and make sure that our our growth is maybe not like ma maximum growth, but you maybe want like one percent growth because we have one percent population growth, and that's how you want to like aim at. You don't aim at like the constant like re relentless endless growth because like, I, I I'm quite sympathetic to some of those those critiques, but. That doesn't mean that like you have to take away all the aspects of capitalism basically i think you, you can build it in a way that says okay so we're going to try and encourage people to not use fossil fuels we'll offer some grants for technology that we think could create like a sustainable future because ultimately that's what we're, we want we want humans to like be able to be in balance with the planet um our environment our surroundings um and and build like so that we are yeah in existing in the full ecosystem of the planet rather than just endlessly taking from it in this like extractive just destructive circle yeah so do you believe more in reforming capitalism as it were rather than sort of as you say doing away with it as a system entirely yeah i mean like that said like i think that the the, the state should oh should be like 
pretty much in charge. Like there should be free education, uh, free public transport. Um, there's loads of like left wing policies that I'm totally on board with. But I, yeah, I just I, I think that we can we can get there by using the great system that's brought us here and going, OK, let's stop the corruption, like pull out the rot, change the things that don't work for the 21st century and, and, and yeah improve upon it. I think it. that's the only issue though, isn't it? It's like there's so many things don't work. It isn't just like one or two things, like the whole system is totally failing. And it isn't just like, you know, it, when we talk about one machine, like a big, the capitalism is just one machine. It's not one or two cogs. It's the whole thing. So like, I think it's going to take a lot more than reform. I think it's totally reimagining what does this, um, assist, you know, what does a successful system look like in 2021? Because I think, as you say, like, and I think there's a lot of things we do agree with, to be fair on this, is that there will be things that we can do to make make things so much better. But at the moment, like, the current system is going to take us to a, a to climate crisis, increasing inequality, and basically just like a world that's even, even in much worse state than it currently is. Um, so like, it's going to take drastic changes. And I think it isn't going to be one of those that we can tinker around the edges and hope that we can go back to the golden age of capitalism i think that's that's been and gone so we need to look at like how what can we do to you know what's the next phase of civilization really like what what is next for um for the uk and other countries hmm. i mean obviously the disagreement is would be like that that's going to happen when you want to have like this kind of like reimagining. I'd also, I'd say tinkering isn't quite what I'm at. Like I, I'm suggesting, I think that I would like have some seriously, there would be some serious reform to it. But, but like, I guess my point is that like, and this is one that Steven Pinker makes. And I think like maybe people miss it is that like, and Peter Thiel as well, that they, they make a good point in that like violence as a, as a tendency and destruction and death has been endlessly trending down. And that we are, we, we, we live in like the safest, okay, again, maybe right now things are a little tumultuous, but broadly we're living in the safest, most prosperous time, give or take a few years that has ever existed. And I, yeah, kind of think we should look at what brought us to that and use it and then go, here's what hasn't worked. Like, here's what doesn't work. Allowing political donors to have access to the politicians above the people that they're meant to represent, maybe allowing politicians like Theresa May to have half a million pounds extra in their second job compared to the 78,000 they're getting from the taxpayers. Like where, where do you think the allegiances lie? And that's where probably I would start is just to like build us a democracy that gives us representation that of by people who actually want to be there for the betterment of the country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. Like, we see, like, you know, Sajid Javid, like, you know, he's come into the health secretary job and he's still got other jobs. Like, you know, and he's a very wealthy man. Like, and there's lots of people in politics. Like, that, that's it. Like, it shouldn't be. But, like, you know, we need to we need to look at that. Like, you know, there's people like, as I say, like Nadia Whitson, for example, who donates half their salary to charity. Like, you know, 80,000, 90,000 a year. It's plenty for her. She was a carer before she became an MP. You know what I mean? Like, but there's people, you know, even like Labour, like there's a lot of Labour MPs who are in the same boat as Tories who are very like, they're used to this. They're used to this 80, 90 grand a year. And they're actually like, not even just used to it. They're like, that's low for what I'm used to. So I'm going to get every other job possible. Like, I won't be a very good MP. I'll then just sort of, um, you know, 
eventually I will be voted out, but I would have created the contacts that I needed to go into a very cushy job after politics, whether that's in, you know, private, fi- you know, like corporate finance, private healthcare, whatever else. And then they're, they're set for life. So there's so many politicians now who are going into it for that reason, that reason alone, or already in it for that reason. And as you say, I think that, that, you know, I do agree with you, like when it comes to political reform, I think that needs to obviously be a massive part of it. I don't think MPs should have second jobs. I think that's just absolutely crazy. Yeah, shit like that. I'm just like, come on. Like, like no one can think that that is a, like a sensible idea. Like anyone, like, I, I, yeah. <laughs> so uh, final question then, like, what do you think of, say we want to do this big review of Britain? Like, how would you go about it? Do you, do you like the idea of citizens assemblies? I do actually. Yeah. Like, again, like we haven't got an official policy on it, but like, again, from our membership, like citizen assemblies are something we've talked about. And I think they're quite interested in looking into further and like maybe, you know, potentially depending, you know, if it's our members' wishes, adopting that as policy. Um, I think there's a lot to be said about it. I think ultimately we just know currently the system we have is failing us. So it needs massive realignment. Like how can we make things work for the millions of people out there? Like at at the moment, as I said, like at the end of the day, millions of people out there aren't represented. How can we make that better? And like, I think citizen assemblies go part of the way there but i think we need whole scale reforms in government but also everywhere else in society i think like this isn't you know i think that has to be part of the solution but like there's so many things we need to address around poverty around housing around climate change around our infrastructure like even i mean talked about that but like our infrastructure that's been sold off and you know just not funded you know not properly funded at all like there's so many things we need to sort as a country and like that's why i think there is this growing anger disillusionment frustration with the current political choices we have and i think that's why there are millions of people out there that consider themselves politically homeless because they do not stand for you know like politicians out there at the moment don't represent people and you know i'm hoping that breakthrough becomes that like we are representative of wider society and you know like all i want to do and all i want breakthrough to do is make lives better for people and if we can do that, then like I'll be very, I'll be very happy, and I feel like that's our job done. Really, like, I just want to make real change. That's on, that's a perfect note, I think, on which to end, uh, man. That 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 uh, that was beautiful. So yeah, everybody, Alex Mays. Um, yeah, t- tell him, uh, tell everyone where they can find you on social media and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. So like you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, just like look for Breakthrough Party. Uh, on Twitter, it's at Breakthrough Party. Breakthrough Party as a one word is too long for Twitter. Um, and also like our website is breakthroughparty.org.uk if you want to check us out. But, you know, thank you so much for having me, Josh. I really yeah, no problem, it. man. It's been a it's been a been a great chat. Um, yeah, keep up the good work. No, thanks very much, mate. Cheers. Thanks for making it all the way to the end of the podcast. Don't forget our sponsor, ExpressVPN, and my book, Brexit, The Establishment Civil War, can both be found in the links in the description below. And also, please like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. It's the best way to help us grow. Until next time, thanks for listening. The animal dragged a child around its enclosure. The child had fallen into that enclosure. Officials are now defending their actions. ABC's Alex. A few things I am not. I'm not a cat. 
I am not an institutional investor, nor am I a hedge fund. There's no panic selling. These people, you know, they may have bought at $4, sat through $400, went back to 40, went to 350, back down to 110, and they have not sold. All they've done is bought more. And there's no answer for that. There's no, they, they, you know, it, it is like art of war mastery by a bunch of idiots who should know better. And they're just, they're just like, I'm not fucking leaving. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars. Let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. What's been happening on Reddit and in social media and in the marketplace has never been seen before. Uh, the short 70, 60, 80% of a company, let alone 140%, I think a lot of people universally believe something is wrong there. They're powerful, they want to stock higher. It's child's play. Why ever sell into the maw of Wall Street? Yeah, Reddit bets. Why? 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 But everyone's wrong. It's like the big short again. Or more like the big short squeeze this time, right? So here we got the fox guarding the hen house. And one of the hens is complaining. The fox is out to kill us. And the farmer says, I'm sorry, the fox is in charge of the hen house. Whenever there is not billions, but like trillions of dollars involved in something, it I, I argue that nothing is off the table. The way they have absolutely cheated, stolen, robbed everyday people so all our hedge fund billionaire friends can get out and not get killed is one of the most remarkable, illegal, shocking robberies in the history of, in plain sight. Super Stonk and the other communities that have emerged are a hive mind, the likes of which we have never seen before. It's madness and brilliance, insanity and genius all rolled into one. It's very possible that Citadel will be gone in a few months. And, and not just Citadel, but the entire financial system has the potential to come crashing down. These crooks continue to gamble recklessly with the world economy, and this could be the moment that they finally get their justice. You got maybe 10 million people doing this who now own you know probably more than 100 million shares and eventually you know they might own everything